So this is our fourth, uh, fourth and final installment. Not all there is to say on the subject of, uh, of outreach and evangelism, but uh, this is our last say for the immediate time being. So Michael's going to look at things from the, the, the spiritual aspect tonight. Um, and so let's, let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this chance again to, to take seriously your word and to take seriously the, the spreading of, uh, of your message, Lord. We pray that this information would uh, prove fruitful, Lord, not only in this weekend's uh, outreach event, Lord, but just in general for all of our lives as you send us to different places and put different people in our paths and bring different people to us, Lord. So I pray that, uh, that Michael's words tonight would be your words, Lord, and that we would be edified and strengthened by all that you have to say through him. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. So um, do we have someone that can, would be happy to read? Um, we kind of do have a section that we're... Typically, this is still Bible study, even though we... Sometimes this is kind of a more topical subject, but this passage of Scripture just happened to fit in many ways. Um, so do we have someone that would like to read? Usually. How about Art? Would you be willing to read? Matthew chapter 10. And beginning in verse 24 to the end of the chapter. Okay. Matthew chapter 10 and starting in verse 24. The Talmud is not greater than his rabbi. The slave is not greater than his master. It is enough for a Talmud that he become like his rabbi and a slave like his master. Now, if people have called the head of the house Baal Zibal, how much more will they malign the member of his household? So do not fear them, for there is nothing. Covered that will not be uncovered, or hidden that will not be known. When I tell you in the dark, Speak in the light. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are powerless to kill the soul. Remember, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in Gehenna. Aren't sparrows sold for next to nothing? Two for Assyrian? Yes. Not one of them will fall to the ground without your father's consent. As for you, every hair on your head has been counted. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me in the presence of others, I will also acknowledge him in the presence of my father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Don't suppose that I have come to bring peace to the land. It is not peace I have come to bring, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against a father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. 
where an immense enemies will be the members of his own household. Whoever loves his father or mother more than he loves me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than he loves me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take up his execution stake and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his own life will lose it. But the person who loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you is receiving me, and whoever receives me is receiving the one who sent me. Anyone who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive the reward a prophet gets. And anyone who receives a rabbi, a, a zaddik, because he is a zaddik, will receive the reward a zaddik gets. Indeed, Someone gives you a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because of me, my family, yes, I tell you, you will certainly not lose his reward. Thank you. <clears throat> so I was asked to teach on spiritual warfare and what that means. And I, I kind of picked this passage. This is a big, much broader passage. Um, the whole chapter I'm kind of going to be referring to as well as other passages of scripture. If you got the handout, you may be a little bit overwhelmed. And for those that don't know, I hope it don't freak you out. I am blind, so don't be um, freaking out if you see me right on the board or I make eye contact you, at you. It's not. I know there are some people here that are new tonight, and I don't want to scare them or have them question, I thought he was blind, and then you see me writing on the board just in case of something like that. But just for those that might not be familiar. So... When we talk about spiritual warfare, to begin with, I see there's a common, there's always two ditches. There's two ditches that people look at. And one of them you could call the Chicken Little Ditch. Does everyone know Chicken Little? And the other ditch is the ostrich, possibly. The ostrich is famous for sticking his head where? In the sand. In the sand. It pretends... Nothing is happening here. Nothing is going to happen to me. I don't know anything that's going on. So that's kind of one ditch, the ditch that says there is no spiritual warfare. It's all in your head. There's no real demons. There's no real angels. You're just kind of mashogi about some of these things. There's also the chicken little ditch, or if you ever saw the movie, uh, The Water Boy, everything was the devil. The food was the devil. The gas in the car leaving is the devil. And everything becomes the devil. The devil, the devil. And I'm just saying, I like to approach spiritual warfare from two points. Of one being, there's reality that, yes, spiritual warfare is here. But it's not all spiritual warfare. Not everything is spiritual warfare. Okay? Because everyone sometimes says... I stub my toe, it must be spiritual warfare. There's something out to get me. And, and, and that is, that's what sometimes happens. People want to call every little thing that happens to them spiritual warfare. Or the demon behind every bush. And I want to just say that I think this is a view of where we look, need to look at it and say there's a balance to this. There's a balance and it's, it's both and. It's the Jewish answer yes and no. It kind of goes together 
There's not one answer. There's not one answer for sure. We do know that spiritual warfare exists, okay? It's very clear from the scriptures, Ephesians 6.12, 2 Corinthians 10. We know that there are strongholds in the heavenlies. We know that there are things that we wrestle with that are not, that are not people. So there is a side of spiritual warfare that is very real, very real. But there's also things in the world, and, and spiritual warfare we can see throughout the Tanakh. We can see it in the book of Job. We can see it even in 2 Kings. I mean, 1 Kings is the very last chapter and the, and the story of the prophet Micha and just some of the stories that we see. Spiritual warfare is even in the Torah. We see it. We see Jacob wrestling someone. That's, you know, some people can look at that and say there's, a, there's an aspect of spiritual warfare that's definitely involved. And, and there's an aspect of why that's happening. There's also the aspect of Balak and Balaam. One of these is meant, sent to actually curse, curse a people. And, and in that sense, he's wanting uh, maybe some kind of spirit to come on them and curse them. And someone else, and, and God not allowing that to take place. And there's also in, in the Torah where we see the showdown between Moses and Pharaoh. There's a spiritual dynamic that's there, a spiritual warfare. Part of the picture is, one of these gods is real and one of these gods isn't. And there's a battle going back and forth upon each god. Upon each god. It starts with the Nile River. It starts with the things that they were worshipping. The flies and the frogs. And all these parts of things are within Egyptian culture. And God is wanting to break through and show the people who he is. So spiritual warfare exists. It's existed as early as the Torah, it's existing in the Tanakh, and it's existing even in the New Testament, and it's existing in our lives today in the scriptures. But there also are things that are not spiritual warfare. And maybe you can say these are spiritual dynamic. There's our human nature. Human nature is wicked sometimes because it wants to be. It doesn't take a spirit to do that. It doesn't take, it takes just a choice to sin. It's simple. It's that simple. It doesn't mean that there's a spirit behind that person. It doesn't mean that a person is being controlled. It just has to do with the fact that there is there's something wicked there within the person sometimes that needs to change. There's also an aspect of being disobedient to God. That brings a curse. And for more on that, you can you can read this week's Torah portion, Bechukotai, in which it lists. Um, in, Ex in Leviticus 26, many of the, of the curses that would come upon the people if they disobeyed, if they disobeyed the Lord, what would happen to them? And how that would look, for example. We also know that um, in Romans it says there are people that are disobedient for a reason. We know that if you disobey the law, you're cursed. As James tells us, that's missing the mark. All these different things happen, and it's not, it's not a spirit per se, but it is disobedience. And disobedience has its fruit too, that it comes forth. And at best, sometimes even the best human ability does not, will not make things happen. No matter how good human ability is, no matter how strong it is. We see in Psalm 33 that a horse, an army, all these things are only as strong as as the Lord lets them be. 
As only as strong as that they can be. It's not something, and we see that also that human humans can be weak about things. Humans can be weak when they're confronted with temptation. We know that that, that the Yeshua's disciples fell asleep, and and it was what the spirit was willing, but what the flesh was weak. There's a human weakness at times that keeps people from being able to do what God wants them to do. It's not all the devil. It's not all the devil made me do it type of thing. And we see our world has taken distraction to a new level. And distraction is a lack of self-control. That's a very strong spiritual dynamic. Sometimes it can be caused by the devil. Sometimes it is not. Sometimes we like to be distracted. We like to escape. We like to go away from what the world is telling us. It's not a nice place to live sometimes. We see the evil and we don't want to engage with what is here and what is going on. So some of this part, this first part is just to kind of introduce why, why these things are the way they are. Why the things happen. And part of, part of the picture for me at least, is, is trying to get you to understand is not everything is spiritual warfare. Not everything has a spiritual dynamic. There are some things that are yes and no. And, and the bottom line is we sometimes have to pray and ask the Lord, is this a spiritual dynamic that's not, that we're not being able to see breakthrough in? Is this a spiritual dynamic? And, and so that's what we have to sometimes do is we have to stop and say, Pray and say, Lord, is this spiritual warfare? Is this spiritual warfare I'm encountering? Or is this just someone who's, who's being sinful? Who's just being out and out sinful and doesn't want to change their heart? Because it can be one or the other. It doesn't, and sometimes it can be both and as well. It's not a matter of one for the other sometimes. And the only time we, we sometimes know is sometimes we have to take it to the Lord in prayer and ask him, Lord, what is going on here? Is this a spiritual warfare? But there are also things we can do. The Bible tells us to be faithful, to act in a life of faith, to seek justice and mercy is what Micah tells us. These are things we can do. It doesn't all depend on being um, having to have God break through on everything. The Bible tells us to be good to each other, to share with each other. It tells us things like quench not the spirit. And some of those things that it talks about for us, it wants us to get the understanding that it's not all a, 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 a spiritual dynamic that has to be broken through, but it has to be broken through only as we persevere in prayer and part of the picture, too, is learning to talk to other people. Maybe they've encountered these type of things, and they know. Not one person, you know, one thing I learned a long time ago, I never found one person that had all the truth. Everybody has parts of the truth. And what I mean by that is God is fair to everybody. He gives people experience in one area. He gives people a, a truth in maybe one area. For example, when it might come to sharing with someone who's a Mormon, there might be someone who's a lot more gifted than me because Mormonism is not my background, my area of knowledge. And so I'm saying there are other people sometimes when there's a spiritual dynamic of not being able to break through, of learning to say, I'm going to go talk to this person, whether it's maybe 
Rabbi Haim or Rabbi David or someone else who, could, who might be able to understand things and be able to say, this is a situation you might be encountering. Especially when it comes to a Jewish person. Why maybe a Jewish person doesn't choose to accept Messiah. There's not just one reason and, not, and there's not just one answer either to just be able to say, um, you know, I'm going to take the cookie cutter and have a plan of how I'm going to share Yeshua, how I'm going to share Jesus with somebody. Because I know that if I take the cookie cutter, I'll find a way to, to, to make this work in sharing Yeshua for them. And that's not necessarily the way we look at people. Everybody's different, and everybody has a different dynamic. And for that reason, you have to understand that each person has different needs, comes with different background to the table. And therefore, you can't just all make it, it's all this or all that sometimes. And I admit, I'm saying, talking about things that are definitely spiritual. Sin is a spiritual condition. Some people call it a disease. Some people sometimes say, that's this way because of this. I'm just saying, we don't always want to look at things from, and say it's all one thing or all another thing. We know that there are exceptions, but I'm just saying, overall, we don't want to just be ready to jump in and say, this is spiritual warfare, this is spiritual warfare. Because I don't believe everything is. And I think that we have to challenge those people at times who maybe think everything is spiritual warfare. So do I have any questions or comments before we start uh, getting into why, we, why it's so hard to share Yeshua? So why is it so hard to share Yeshua? Or Jesus? Why is it so hard? Why is it so hard? Well, that's part of it. We are afraid of being rejected. We are afraid of being rejected. And one thing our brother said when he was here a couple weeks ago at the outreach meeting, he said we have to learn to speak the truth in what? Love. And I'm putting them on two separate sides of the board because at some point we have to connect them. Usually some of us are really good at speaking truth. And truth to us may be a wonderful looking sword, you know. We just go around and bop people with the truth, okay. And there are, there are sometimes that's the only way to get through to somebody. But I'll tell you this, did you know throughout history the sword has more kills than anything else in this world? And one thing I don't want to do is I don't always want to take the word of God and bop someone on the head with it. It's not necessarily the best way to get them to love God. But at the same time, like Glenn said, we're scared, we're lazy, as Heim said. And therefore, we, we sometimes excuse ourselves just by saying, we're going to love people. We're going to love people. And a lot of times, our love won't motivate us to do much more than that. And what it ultimately comes down to, in, in just the short time I've been a believer... And maybe, you know, I, can, I know other people will agree with this. But speaking the truth in love, dealing with conflicts, dealing with um, reconciliation. And, and I'm not just saying with, with talking with someone and sharing Yeshua. But even learning to speak the truth of love 
and talk to somebody and tell them they're wrong or correct them, that's the hardest thing. And that's the hardest thing that the entire body, I think, breaks their teeth on. They break their teeth on this, you know. When we talk about, have you ever had a, a, a breakfast of ground glass or, or tried to manu- um, um, plow concrete? It's very hard going. But when it comes to speaking the truth in love, even in the Christian body and in the messianic body at times, no, nobody wants to do it. It's so hard to speak the truth in love. We're scared someone's going to get mad at us. We don't want to make waves. We don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I know I'll just forgive them and I'll just let it, I, I, I will pretend it didn't happen. And this is, this is why it's so hard to share Yeshua. We're not willing to take the reconciliation approach. We're not willing to speak the truth in love. We're not willing to tell someone, you're going the wrong way. You need to turn around on the way you're going. And this is just a simple, we teach this in the membership class here at Ishiatsion, but it's, it's so apropos for this teaching. We don't want to speak the truth in love. I think that's the ultimate reason why it's so hard to share. We, we, we struggle at reconciling relationships. We struggle at bringing things back to where they were. And this is part of our high calling. We have a high calling to bring Peace to people. Peace to people. The word peace in Hebrew, does everyone know it? Shalom. And shalom means so much more than just the absence of war. The battle coming to an end. You know, now we're in a peace time. You know, whatever it might be. That's, there's so much more to shalom. Has anyone besides like Rabbi Haim, Rabbi David... Do you know what shalom means? Wholeness. Wholeness. What else? Complete. Complete. It also has the sense of prosperity. Wellness. This is the peace that we're called to take to the world. And this peace that everybody wants so badly is hard to take if we don't have a measure of peace in our own lives. But this is the very calling that God wants us to have the calling of peace that we take. And at the beginning of this chapter, Yeshua tells them that they're going to take peace. And it's more than just a peace. Part of shalom, part of shalom too is health and welfare. What about inner peace? Inner peace is part of the package. Inner peace, the wholeness. But it also has to do with the health and wellness. Wellness is something we look for in terms of of health. Sometimes we talk about not only just to have good health, but to have wellness in in our body. It's something that's to go forth that way. And Yeshua was telling them, not only are you going to take peace, you're going to bring real wellness and health to these people. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to heal the leper. You're going to do all the things that health and wellness brings about. So they weren't just bringing shalom, not just bringing the message of peace. They were actually doing the shalom. They were actually bringing about physical healing, physical wellness to people that needed it. 
Heal the sick, cure the lame, heal the blind. Did not Yeshua say this at the beginning of the chapter? That's the idea of not just the shalom being something that we have, but something that we're giving. And that's a big part of prayer. When we come to people, people are going to have ailments. They're going to have things that hurt them. And we should be taking the time and actually asking them about them and praying with them and letting them know we care and that Messiah cares for them. It's a big thing that people, that goes a long way, not just in the matter of just telling them about the peace, but also giving them and, and praying for their peace on a larger scale as well. Now, the priest's calling was always to do peace. Do you know that? He was always to bring people to God. The priest was to bring people to God. That was his main job. And in the temple, what did that look like? What did the priest do? Correct. And so he would make atonement, right? Do you know that word to make atonement also has the idea to reconcile? That means that we're bringing relations back to restoration. That's what God calls us to be a part of, is to reconcile people. Have you ever heard Matthew 5, 9? Blessed are the peacemakers, not the cheesemakers, the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Peacemakers act just like sons of God. They act just like, and how did the son of God act? He gave himself a ransom for us all so that we would be able to have a way between him and our father in heaven, right? That's our same role. We're to be peacemakers in the sense that we try to bring people to Yeshua. Whether it's a broken relationship in the body or a broken relationship in our life, that's what a priest does. He makes the atonement. The word for make atonement and for um, reconcile, same word, kafar. Kafar. Is that right, Haim? Am I saying that right? Kafar. We get Yom Kippur. We get the whole idea of atonement from kafar. And that's what the, the Hebrew word for reconciliation is. And did you know in the Old Testament it occurs 90 plus times. And out of those 90 plus times, 42 times, 42 times it occurs in Leviticus. Of what the priest does. 42 acts, and it all seems to be in reference of the priest. Reference of the priest. He will make an atonement. He will make an atonement. He will bring reconciliation. He will restore this person. Whether it's the leper. Whether it's someone who had a sin and brought a sacrifice. 42 times in the book of Leviticus. That's where reconciliation first happened. That's the whole picture of what reconciliation is to look like. It's to be. And so it's part of our DNA. It's part of who we are as believers that we need to get a hold of that same vision, that same heart that Messiah had for other people. Reconciliation is so hard to do. It's, it's truly something at times that is so hard and impossible because people don't want to forgive. People are mad or people 
have a hard heart, whatever it might be. And sometimes, yes, there is spiritual warfare. Sometimes it is something dark that keeps them from wanting to come to Yeshua. It's something sometimes that simple. But I'm just trying to tell you, that's what we're called to be as believers. That's our very nature of what we're to do. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5. Second Corinthians, yeah, Second Corinthians five is where we get the picture of reconciliation, and I want to look at verses um, eighteen to the end of the chapter twenty one. Second Corinthians five verses eighteen to twenty one. Hadassah, would you be willing to read that? Second Corinthians five, eighteen to twenty-one. Well, you can start in seventeen. That won't hurt my feelings. So part of this picture of reconciliation is the change. The change has to happen. And if it's happened in us, we get that message. We become those people of reconciliation. We become ambassadors to what reconciliation is to be. And it's really important that we understand this as a calling. It's important that we look at the, the whole idea, what would Yeshua do? Well, Yeshua did reconciliation. That's what we should be doing. We should be reaching for opportunities when it comes to reconciliation. And it's very hard to do at times. It's very hard because we don't like to make the stir the drink. We don't like to sometimes be the, the, the troublemaker or whatever. We sometimes want to live our life and not have problems. We want to get along with people, right? You've heard all the different things that I'm saying before. But the fact of the matter is, this is what we're supposed to be. This is who God calls us to be. And because so much of the time we don't walk in this calling, we end up hurting ourselves. Notice that the word reconciliation over and over again was mentioned in the passage. This is our ministry. This is what's happened to us. This is what God did through Messiah, as she read. That's over and over and over again. It's Paul wanting us to understand that we are to be the same picture. We're to take our life and make reconciliation happen. Are there any questions or or comments? Those of us who are not pastors 
the big one. Fear is probably the biggest one because we don't want to feel rejected by people. You do. You do get lazy. You do get timid, whatever you want to call it. You, you hold back. You don't tend to want to make waves. You've seen where this has gone before. But at the same time, we miss opportunities. And the Lord may say, hey, I had you here with this person for a reason. I had you in this connection with this person to speak to them. Because I wanted them to hear my word. I wanted them to know my word. And Yeshua is very adamant about what people will think in the passage that we started in Matthew 10. Three times he mentions all the horrible things. All the horrible things. Getting persecuted in the synagogues. Getting chased out. You know, brother will be against mother. Father will be against sister. All these types of pictures. It's not something that's going to always look pretty. He's very clear about that in the beginning in this passage. He knows that it's going to happen. But he has a plan for us, and he wants to go, us to see beyond that. He wants us to get beyond our fear. He wants us to get beyond the things that are tough and see that he has blessings for things that will happen. He wants us to be courageous. He is the person who will cause us to be bold in these different situations. And he tells us not to be afraid. He tells us, don't you know that your hairs, the very hairs of your head are numbered? And that he makes an illustration of the sparrows and uses an argument from of logic. If God cares for birds that die, how much more does God care for people? A very classic Hebrew argument that we've talked about before, the least to the greater. If this is so, how much more is this so? We've talked about that before. We've also talked about this. The end of the chapter, Art read a prophet's reward. Art read a Zadik's reward. The fact is, when you are willing to speak, people are going to believe. Yeshua says, there will be times when people will believe. And we need to remember that if someone receives us, they're not just receiving us. They're receiving the one who sent us. And over and over again, that's why he makes that, that connection. He who received you receives me. He who sent you is the one, you know, you're sent, being sent by me. And they're going to receive me. That's part of the connection that takes place that we have to understand that God wants to bless us as we go through. And there's a blessing in acknowledging Yeshua. And I know it's, it's something that we don't always realize. But it's far off in verses 32 and 33. He says, if you acknowledge me before other people, the Son of Man will acknowledge you before his Father in heaven. Now I know heaven is a far off. Maybe it's not. You know, everyone, God only knows the day we get to go be with him. None of us has the birth certificate with the expiration date, I hope. 
But we don't know when that's going to be, so we have to live and act like there's going to be a time when we have to do what God wants us to do in that area. Okay, so the biggest, the biggest stumbling block to me, in my opinion, about spiritual warfare, everybody focuses on the unknown, what we don't know. Well, that guy looks pretty scary. Maybe he's got some demon control. Well, those are wicked people. I don't want to deal with them, you know, or whatever it is. You know, I don't like him. He's got on, you know, girls' clothing. He looks scary, you know. How can he have a beard and a, and a woman's wig on? Or whatever the case might be. All these different things. And what I want to talk to you in the second part of the teaching is focus on what you know. You know, and I want someone to open to John 3 and to read a couple portions in John 3. But part of the problem is we don't focus on what we know. We have to just learn to focus. This is my assignment, and I know it, and I'm going to go do it. And part of the problem is we like to focus on all the unknowns. I don't know this guy. He's kind of scary looking. He might have a gun. You know, and all the other irrational fears that go behind it. Let's look at John chapter 3, verse 11, and then jump down to verses 32 and 34. Both of these kind of fit in with this. John chapter 3, verse 11. Don't be shy. Amen, amen, I tell you. We speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen. Yet you all do not receive our <clears throat> testimony. Then jump down to 32 and 34. Small print. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thanks for jumping in, Floyd. It's like the blind asking the blind. <laughs> she can't see it either. <laughs> I need a big print. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. For the one who God has sent speaks the words of God, but he does not give the Spirit sparingly. So God wants us to speak mainly the things we've already known, the things that we can already testify to, what God has done in our life, in a sense, who God is as we know him. God doesn't expect us to, to speak about things we don't know. In fact, one thing I would challenge people to say, be ready to say to someone, because you're, you're eventually, it never fails, you'll run into somebody that knows more than you. And it's okay to say, that's a very good question. I don't know. It's okay. That's a lot more honest than trying to be like, well, it might be this, or um, I think it could be this, or... Something, but it's okay to tell someone, I don't know. But this is what I do know. This is what I do know. And I think for a lot of believers, it's important to focus on the things you do know already. You don't have to know all of Michael Brown's, um, you know, all the different books David brought, the whole five-volume set, known cover to cover. You don't need to know all that to go share Yeshua with a Jewish person. You don't need to know all the Messianic prophecies. Maybe you can know a couple, it wouldn't hurt. But I'm just saying, you don't need to know everything because someone's going to know more than you at one point. But God wants you to just simply share what you know. 
It's a very simple thing. I know that God healed me. I know that God took a person who was sinful and he brought him out. And that's what God wants us to focus on some stuff. It not try to do the work of something we don't know, but try to focus on what we do know when we encounter people. And it might be like we're saying at the, at the upcoming event where we're sharing, or it might be even just with someone in our life, a brother, a sister, a friend. God just wants us to share about the stuff we already know. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out labor of, whoa, I've got to know everything in order to share Yeshua. If you wait that long, you'll never share Yeshua. If you wait to know everything, and if you knew everything, would you even remember it all? I mean, come on, there's only so much the brain can know and keep track of. And so I'd like to, you know, say a couple things first of all. We've been talking about, and there's a whole list I, I kind of have on the handout of things you really got to know. And the first one is you got to know God. God is in charge. God is going to look out for his people who are doing his work. He doesn't send us off and say, oh, well, good luck. You know, hope you do well. He doesn't look. But it, it even says, you know, don't be afraid. God knows your numbers of your hair. He knows who you are. You know, when we were little kids, because I grew up with a blind mom, and I just thought I'd let you guys know that, but my mom would always tell the older kids, when you go outside, you be in charge of your brother or sister who's little. Just a simple little thing. And she would even tell the little kids, you can't go outside if someone's not in charge of you. And, and the, the whole idea of who's in charge, it still was something when we'd get scared at night with my mom. She'd be like, don't you know... God is in charge of you. He's going to watch over you. He's going to take care of you. He loves you. He's going to make sure that what happens to you is going to be okay. God is our sustainer. God is the one who's our protector, our provider. It's his business that if he wants us to do something, that he's going to provide us with what we need and not with what we don't need. He's going to provide us with what we need to do these things. The second thing I would like to challenge is say, know his word. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why we should always know his word. We might not be able to speak the word in a meaningful way to everyone. Okay? But some people will know his word. And not only that, I really believe that a strong part of the way God speaks to us is he'll give us words of knowledge, words from the scripture of what things say. And I challenge people when I, when I say, you know, when I stand up here and teach, don't believe me. Go see if it says it in the word. Go see if I'm just telling you, you know, some, some smoke or not. And, and the, the Bereans in Acts 17, 11, they went and they searched the scriptures to see if what Paul was saying to them was true. And that's the same thing we've got to do. We've got to challenge people that way and say, don't believe me what I say. Go look and see what you say. Go see what the scripture has to say. And the scripture at times will challenge people. You can almost say the scripture is like a treasure to a lot of people who may not know it's a treasure. But it's something there that Yeshua can really come forth and, and be awesome to them if they're willing to look at the scripture. And God knows who knows his word. You know, God knows the ones who have read his word. Some people might say, I haven't read that since I was a kid. That was stupid, you know, or whatever. But the fact is, you speak a word to them, 
And they'll be like, wow, I remember that when I was five. You know, there are people who have come to the Lord and said these type of things. There's people who have come to the Lord. The Lord does not send forth his word in any kind of way void. And not only that, I'll also challenge the idea that the word is also being heard by other people. You will always have people who are in the background, on the side, observing, listening. And maybe they'll hear the word of God. And it will challenge them. It will provoke them. You you don't really know who's going to hear that word when you say the word. The word needs to be spoken. The word needs to be said. It can really do some things in the midst of your sharing with people that you might not think. And if, by all means, if God prompts you to use the word, you better use the word. Because God knows, like I said, who knows his word. Don't be like the Sadducees, okay? Because the Sadducees, when Yeshua rebuked them, he said two things to them that were really heavy. And I was, I was impressed. He kind of hit them on the left and on the right. And they didn't have a leg to stand on. He said, you don't know the scriptures. That was his first challenge. And the second ouch, or the power of God. He hit him on the left and the right. Very clear. And that's why they were so sad, you see. But I'm just saying, the Sadducees didn't know his word, and they didn't know God's power. And the fact is, God can use both of these to reach people in a way that they might not expect. In a way that they weren't even thinking of. Part of, the, part of knowing is know how to pray for people. Part of the things God wants you to know is know how to pray. Pray that God will open a door. Paul says this over and over again. Ephesians 6, 18 and 20. Colossians 4, 4. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1. Pray that God would open a door that we might speak his word. Over and over and over again. And it's so true. You might not be expecting to share God's word. All of a sudden, bang. You have a captive audience. Somebody who wants to hear it. Somebody who wants to hear it. Pray that people would hunger for God. Just like we hunger and thirst for water. Pray that they would desire God the same way. Pray that God would, you know... Just like Yeshua said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because they're going to be the ones that will definitely God be able to touch and to fill. And those, those are some of the ways that you can basically pray. You may not know everybody's background. Now obviously if someone has a, a you know, if, if they're dressed in a, um, a Muslim garb, you, you might know how to pray for a Muslim a certain way. You might know how to pray for a Wiccan. Or you might know how to pray for someone else. Or maybe it's someone who just needs to know the truth. Pray that God would open their ears and their eyes. Something very basic. Part of us is knowing who we are too. We have to know our limitations. We have to know we, that we have to be pure when we take God's word. We can't be hypocritical. We have to be an open book. We have to be patient and compassionate. You know, these are things you have to know about yourself. You, you know, everyone has their buttons. And maybe this person will find your button and press it. 
And the fact is, you got to be ready for those things and say, Lord, keep me from any kind of temptation that would hurt me. Maybe it's not the best idea, if you're a guy, to share with a lady. Okay? Maybe if you're a lady, it might not be the best idea to share if you're a guy. Back and forth, the same thing. Same sex on each time. You should share with guys, should share with guys, ladies should share with ladies. That way there's no kind of temptation there, hopefully. And I'm just saying that's kind of something you can know if that's your struggle, if that's where you have an issue. You know, there are people wearing less these days as the weather gets hotter. And there's sometimes you don't want to be in a certain situation that would ever compromise that. Know the support system God has for you. God always sent his people how he sent them two by two, two by two to do his work. And I don't recommend anyone ever go alone, especially to something like an event. People should be together in a group. That way you have someone else's back and they have your back. They might think of something you didn't think of. Or maybe they'll just be there to pray. You never know. It's just a good idea to have a good support system in place when you're trying to share. Maybe it's someone at your job you're trying to share with. Come back and tell people at congregation. Tell them, pray for my boss. I'm trying to share the word of God with him. Pray for my family, whoever it might be. Or you might come back to your wife or your spouse and say, pray for me because I've been really sharing with this person. We have to know where our support system is. We have to also understand that as we give, we have to be refilled again. As you give, you have to receive. It's part of the renewing process. And there's good things God does. He grows us. He changes us. He refills us. And he does some wonderful things. But if we expect to be a lone ranger type and go out there by ourselves, we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle and we have to stay in his word in order to do that. Okay. Now, if you haven't been following me, we're down to number six. And this is know your enemy. Maybe the enemy is you. Maybe you have a tough human nature and you don't like to share. You know, whatever the case might be, you've got to know who you are. You've got to know what might trip you up. You can be your own worst enemy sometimes. If you're, especially if you're a person that easily gets mad. Maybe you're not the person to, you know, maybe you're not needing to work on sharing, but needing to work on yourself. Know the world and its systems. Sometimes people like to talk about the world, and that's all they can talk about. And the world is a great distraction, but we're told that we're not to be a friend of the world. We're not to love anything about this world. We know that God's coming back to destroy this world. And we need to be willing to tell people that we're not here to talk about the world. We're here to talk about Yeshua. That's part of the enemy that will, that will pull us away, whether it's distraction, whether it's something else, whether it's our phone or something else. You know, maybe you put your phone on silent when you go share the word with somebody. Don't get it, you know, don't answer that text. Don't answer that call. Be focused in on what your assignment is. It's important. People want you to hear them, and you need to hear them too. It's really important that you focus in 
Because there might be an activity. There could be a demonic activity going on. But I'll tell you right now, I don't think the devil is, is looking to pick on any of us personally. I don't think the devil has us in mind. And I'm not here to focus on the devil, but the, there is demonic activity sometimes. But I don't think everything is the devil, and I don't think everything is about the devil coming forth. In fact, I think maybe the devil's left for the big wigs like Joe and you know some of the other people, maybe the president. He doesn't look to you know, Nebuchadnezzar, Pharaoh, Judas. He had some of the big guys to handle. He doesn't necessarily look to bother us personally, per se. I think he just looks to maybe send some of his minions to cause us struggles. But overall, I think, that, yeah, that there is a spiritual warfare there that we might need to incur and recognize. And knowing what he is like, how he operates, how he tries to distract us. And even in our own body at times, knowing who we are, sometimes we might not be ready because something in our body might, might cut, trip us up. Maybe it's a sickness or a condition that we're not taking care of. These things can happen too when it shares You know, it's not all or nothing, but I'm just saying these things can be enemies to us at times if we don't do the responsible things we should be doing sometimes. And so those can all be parts of the enemies. The last thing, I think, is knowing how to move the conversation forward. It's important that we don't stay in one place in the conversation. We need to always bring it back to spiritual things. My pastor, my first pastor, you could give him any topic and he'd bring it back to the Lord. You could say, boy, I don't like paying taxes. You know what the Bible has to say about taxes? He would just have a knack for just bringing anything back to the Lord. And it was awesome. It was awesome. It's not something I could do. He had a sharp mind that way. And I'll just say, we have to be challenged in our conversations of willing to bring things back. And willing, when we have conversations with people... Like we learn, listen. Be swift to listen. There's so much that comes forth when we listen. When we we listen to what people have to say, so much of their heart is revealed, so much of who they are is revealed. It's an important part. You can learn a lot just by listening and observing. And that's why the scripture, I think, sometimes tells us, be swift to listen. Be patient with people. It's hard sometimes, and sometimes the Spirit really has to hold you in there so you don't get, like, like really distracted. Part of the thing I think about talking about the Lord, too, is knowing when to stop. It's important at times when you've shared to stop and know when to say, that's enough. I've shared enough, and it's, it's not time to, to say any more. They need to think about it themselves. And maybe, you know, it'll be a situation like we're saying at the upcoming event where it's just going to be, you have just a few minutes to talk with someone. But I'm talking about long term. When you get a dialogue with someone, don't feel you have to force them to come right away. It's God's business. It's really his business of knowing when they're to come. We don't look to arm twist or... Or manipulate people. And when arguments and when trivial stuff comes about, that's probably a good time to let things go too. Time to end it. Because I think what will end up happening is you'll end up feeling like 
Oh, I, we ended up arguing, and now I felt terrible. I was supposed to be trying to share Yeshua, and it turned into an argument. I know firsthand what that's like, especially in dealing with Jehovah's Witnesses. They love to argue. It seems like it's their very M.O. in life, is to get you upset or to get yourself upset or to draw you into some kind of argument. And those are the things that don't bring glory to God at all. They don't bring glory at all to God because we're constantly arguing. We're constantly doing these things. And so these are some of the things you can know. I'm sure you can add to this list just some things that might help you in knowing what to know and knowing what not to know. Don't worry about what you don't know. There's going to always be plenty of stuff not to know. I can almost guarantee that. But when it comes to knowing what you do know, you can share much better if you focus just on what you know. Is there any other questions or comments? Well, I appreciate what you said. And for me, Michael, I can testify to the fact that from my own experience with my vocation that I had, that the truth, all you got to do is to tell the truth. That's what we used to tell people when they were nervous about getting on the stand. And I've been in so many courtrooms before juries and judges and had, like the defense attorney, try to confuse you. That's his job. He's going to try to confuse you. As long as you just tell the truth, you got no problem. Don't get off on those sidetracks like you were talking about. Because you have the truth. And if somebody said, blah, 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 you say, I don't know. Nothing wrong with it, like you said. I don't know. I don't have the answer. Well, you do too know that answer. John said so and said, Well, that's John. Put him on the stand. There there is a great freedom in willing to tell people you don't have the answers. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, you might encourage and say, but I'll try to find an answer for you. If it's someone you have an ongoing relationship with and you and you feel like you can speak into their life again and have a dialogue, it's something you can tell them. You know, I may not have an answer to that, but I'm willing to look for one. I'm willing to take you to someone who might have the answer if you don't know. There's nothing wrong with that. People will respect you a lot a lot more if you'd be honest and say you don't know when you don't know. Any other questions or comments? So whenever people approach me and ask me questions, usually it's at work. And that's not the time or the place to witness Um, there, there could also be an opportunity to say that's a great question. Is there a time when you and I could meet and talk about that? Or would you like to get a cup of coffee maybe in half an hour when I get off? Or saying, I'm really busy right now. That's a great question. I'd like to share with you. Um, do you have some time maybe later this week? Whatever the case might be, you know, ask the Lord to open your availability. 
and ask the person to be available. Because I think if they're really sincere and they really want to know, they'll be willing to, to seek you out and follow up with you. If they're not, then of course, then I don't know that you have much that you can do, but you know, give them the post-it with the scripture. But I think, you know, ask the Lord to make an available time. It, that's, something, that's something that comes in open. Ask the Lord for an opening. Ask the Lord for an open door of when. I know that when we're at work or when we only have like two minutes, sometimes there's not a lot we can do in that time. And being honest and upfront about that, is, that's a great question. I only have two minutes. I'm going to be late. I'm going to miss my bus whatever it might be, it's better to, to say, but I'd like to meet with you. When would it work out for us to meet? That might be, that might be something we can, you can do. Just a suggestion. Thank you. Any other questions or comments? I, this is kind of a tough topic for me. I'm not necessarily an expert. I don't get a lot of opportunities to share Sometimes I do. Um, it's, it's funny sometimes how the Lord orchestrates them. But I think the, the biggest thing, is, or, you know, one of the things that's not here on the board or not in the notes is learning to be available. That's so important. And with the availability is another A word, and that's your assignment. Know what's your assignment. Maybe you don't have an assignment to speak to all their questions. Available and know what your assignment is. You might only have 10 minutes with this person, whatever it might be. And, you know, there's something you can pray. God, what's my assignment with this person? I have five minutes with them. I have, you know, 10 minutes with them. You know better than me, you know. Or, Lord, make it avail- make me available, make them available so I can ask them, so I can talk to them. Make an opening in my schedule and in their schedule. Make them want to be available. Sometimes people don't want to be available. They just want to throw the question and run, whatever the case it might be. But, you know, if it's really a sincere question, that's something that the Lord can do is, you know, one thing I've learned over and over again, it's not about your ability. It's not about what you're unable to do. But it's always, the Lord doesn't give us more than we can handle. He will always give us the ability to speak to someone. How are we doing on time? Am I? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are there any other questions? I'm. I thought it was close. Go ahead. Yeah. 
Yes, and that and that is something that I mean, by all means, knowing how to pray for people is huge. And God, be willing to ask the Lord for the wisdom and the knowledge to know how to pray for people. It's a huge piece in the in in not just sharing His Word, but also in being a good person in terms of breaking um, ground, coming coming to the common ground, coming to that place of being able to. Just have a relationship with them, I think. Yeah, I mean, even people that we look at have tattoos all over their arms and legs and every ear ring here, there, and everywhere, and every word and some swear word. And, you know, it, then they stand with us and say, this is what's going on in my family, and I say, can I pray for you? And I, I mean, I've seen some big, rough guys with tears in their eyes, you know? So it's pretty awesome. The last person I got to share with, and I want to share this real quickly, was someone who's a transgender person. And they said to me, I'm learning to see something about myself that all the looks in the world are not such an important thing. And they said, that's something that you've taught me because you can't see. It's something that I've learned that I need to not always be so vain in how things look. And so, I mean, sometimes God will surprise you how he'll use you. But he said, it's because you can't see me that I know that you're, you're speaking truly of your heart. You're speaking sincerely. And it was just something that the Lord completely orchestrated. So I don't want to, if there's other questions, I want to make sure to finish our time. If people have other questions, please come and ask. But I want to be respecting of those that need to leave. And this is something that we built into our Wednesday night. And probably ask Rabbi Haim if he'd pray to close. By the way, please remember that next Wednesday uh, we will not be having either prayer meeting or study because uh, Greenwood will be totally filled with another activity. Uh, and we want to let you know um, that after next week we will continue with a different series on Wednesday nights and we'll keep everybody posted on that. So, let's pray. Lord, uh, we need holy chutzpah because the world can be uh, overwhelming and scary. Um, there's much evil. And we get uh, distracted by that. And so we pray, Lord, for eyes to see you, to see you at work, and the boldness that your spirit gives us and the work of your kingdom regardless of what takes place and so we pray Lord God for, for that uh, clear discernment Father to know your will Amen. and your willingness Lord God to engage in doing it by the work of, by the power of your spirit we pray Lord God that you would build that into us and empower us and especially as we prepare Lord weekend at People's Fair, we pray, Lord God, that you would accomplish great things and that your kingdom would advance forcefully. Pray for safe uh, traveling for each one of us. We ask this in Yeshua's name.